0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot.
1: All right, so we're studying the book of 2 Peter. Right now we are on verse number 5. And so if you look in your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 2, I want to pick up where we left off uh, last week. In verse number 4, we actually spent about a month in that one verse. And so now we are moving on uh, into verse number five. And so I begin here tonight and read, the scripture says, and spared not the old world. Now, what is that talking about? You go back to verse number four, and it'd be good for us to read that verse as we launch into verse number five. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, and you know we spent a great deal of time with that particular study a third of heaven's angels uh, rebelled against God in the beginning, and you know the story, uh, and God dealt with that, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains and of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. All right? And so, and spared not. This is a continuation of what uh, verse number four is talking about, the judgment, the wrath of God, uh, because of disobedience and rebellion. And so, if God didn't spare the angels that sin, and spared not the old world, and that's talking about the world that existed before the flood. And so that's that's very important to make a notation of. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, and uh, Sister Debbie and I were talking about that closing of last week's Bible study. Obviously, you know that there were eight people on the ark, but I will tell you that uh, Noah, um, his generation was the eighth generation from uh, Seth, uh, Adam and Eve's son. You remember uh, Cain and Abel and Seth. So if you look at his his perspective, uh, it was eight generations to, to Noah. So Noah was the representation of the eighth generation after Seth, but eight people on the ark. And that's what this scripture is talking about. Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. And I'm going to come back to that in just a minute, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. All right. So we, we get the idea that this is definitely talking about the wrath and the judgment of God upon the world uh, because of disobedience and rebellion. And it wasn't just some type of casual rebellion. This was, as the scriptures teach us, uh, things going on beyond human imagination. And uh, there was a lot of uh, immoralities of all sorts going on in this world before the flood, and uh, God certainly um, had enough of it and dealt with it in a very serious way. But the, the scripture says here, talking about Noah, a preacher of righteousness. You know, I was thinking about this um, this week, this particular phrase in this passage of scripture. And right now, um, this coming July, I would have and will have pastored this church for 36 years. And uh, my seven years before that as an associate pastor are giving me 42 years right here. I got to thinking about that because in our circle of, of brethren, our circle of churches, there are only two others in, in this area, uh, Brother McCleary, Uh, in the um, inner city works and uh, Brother Cornett um, they have pastored their churches for about 30, 34 years something like that and I got to thinking about this there have been so many in our circle that have gone on and passed they're now in heaven and then there have been so many that have been in their works for a few years and then for various reasons moved on and when I got to thinking about this, it was almost startling in some way because it seems that at this point, to the best of my knowledge, I am the oldest serving pastor, and I don't mean that by age wise, I mean that by tenure, in the area. And When I thought about that, and then I thought about only two others that have been in their works more than 30 years, it brought me back to this sobering thing that I wanted to mention to you tonight, and that is this. And I've been preaching the gospel for almost 50 years, here for 42 almost. And the amazing thing about that is this for me, because I can stand here and honestly tell you that my, my belief in the Word is just as passionate and strong today as it was in the beginning of my ministry. And I have not changed any of my beliefs in the cardinal doctrines of the faith, And when I read a scripture like this, Noah, a preacher of righteousness, this somehow serves me personally in a way of self-examination. I'm sure that the 120 years that Noah was this preacher of righteousness, that he was preaching uh, the judgment, the wrath, the holiness of Jehovah God. And you think about all the mockery and the ridicule, that he received during this 120 years that uh, it took to build the ark. And people had never seen a drop of rain in their life, and he's building this uh, unbelievable uh, boat. And uh, you think about how his message was from the beginning when God told him to build it. And then all the way up until the very end, after 120 years, his preaching never changed. It never wavered. It was the same message for this entire time. And as I read that and was preparing it and studying, it kind of reminded me of me, because I can honestly tell you that everything that I have believed about the Bible since childhood, I still believe today Nothing has even remotely caused me to even want to change my perception on God, who is God. Why does God work in his ways? They are mysterious. We will never know the fullness of it. But none of those things about him and his plan of salvation, him sending Jesus to this earth, the virgin birth, the shed blood, the atoning blood, the redeeming blood of the the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, none of those things have wavered an inch. And and I'm proud that I can stand here tonight and tell you that not only has my preaching been solid and consistent over these last 42 years here at this church, but uh, in my entire awareness of what I have been taught and what I believed uh, in my younger years to even now, Um, I, I can truthfully tell you that I am still straight as a string. Now, there are things that I'm learning in the journey, and I've taught you this many times. Never, ever get to the place where you feel that you have learned it all. Because when you feel that you have learned it all, that's when your life ceases to be productive. We all have to be learning. That's why the Scriptures teach us to search the Scriptures. That's why the Word says to study. The word to show ourselves approved unto God. So we have to study. We have to constantly study. And we have to look into the deep things. You know, there's a scripture that talks about leaving the milk and pressing on to the sincereness of the meat of the word. And sometimes I think it's, it's, it's a troublesome place for professing believers to live their spiritual life on milk. I mean, there comes a point and place in time where God expects us to grow in grace, to mature. And we cannot do that on milk. Now, we need milk. We, we need that in the beginning, the early process of our journey with the Lord. There comes a time where we've got to move on from that. And what happens when we move, well, this is what intimidates a lot of people from moving from the milk into the meat. And that is because milk is a comfort zone. We can talk about David and Goliath and Jonah and the whale, and we can talk about Samson and Delilah. We can talk about those kind of things from daylight to dark and probably present the story and accuracy from different standpoints. But I will tell you, our lives cannot just be consumed with those kinds of things. We have to move from them. We cannot forget them. We have to retain them and and i would advise you my recommendation would be to rehearse those things often in your in your mind and in your heart don't ever leave the simplicity of the word but i will tell you you've got to grow and in order to grow you've got to press out into some uh deeper areas in your in your christian life and i'm not talking about spooky religion and i'm not talking about getting hooked up to stuff uh that's uh, Contrary to the word. God, here's the principle that you need to remember. God will never operate outside of his word, ever. I had somebody tell me many years ago, they said, in the latter days, the Holy Spirit work outside of the Bible. And that's a lie. That's not true. The Holy Spirit will never work outside of the word. So if you hear things that are contrary to the word, always remember that it's contrary to the word. God's not going to operate outside of it. The way you know the truth is you, you study it, you search it, and, and you take this from, from God, the Holy Spirit, you take it from uh, whatever means and methods that you use to supplement your scriptural reading, and you, you study, you cross-reference, uh, you, you look at places and times and who, who was this speaking and why were they speaking and where was this at? Just because you read the, the name Simon in the Bible doesn't always mean it's Simon Peter. There are many different Simons, and and you know these things. You learn these things by studying the Word. So you have to get out of the comfortableness of the milk, which may be the comfort zone. I don't. I don't want to go there, preacher. I just. I'm just comfortable with Jonah and the whale and. Daniel and Lion's Den and that kind of stuff. And I just want to say I know the Bible, but listen, you've got to grow in grace. And the only way you can do that is to get out of the comfort zone, leave the milk, and get into the meat of the word. Having said all of that, it brings me right back to this particular phrase in this passage, a preacher of righteousness. Now, I want to remind you of something. Noah was not the only preacher of righteousness going back to this era of the Old Testament. Enoch was, and uh, Jude, the prophet Jude. In fact, I want to show you a verse. There's only one chapter in Jude, in the book of Jude. But I want you to look at verse number 14. Jude, verse number 14. And the Bible says this, And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh... now." This is what I want you to know. We're going to start our Bible prophecy series again in January, on January the 8th. But these Old Testament prophets, they believed in Bible prophecy as well. What Enoch is talking about here in his message, the seventh from Adam, and you do do the math on that. Go all the way back to the seventh from Adam, and you get scriptures like this that I'm going to be preaching on in January. But... It's not just a verse. This is a prophetic verse. Look at it. The seventh from Adam prophesied these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Now, what is that talking about? Cometh with ten thousands of his saints. That's not talking about the rapture. This is talking about after the rapture has taken place and and the seven years of tribulation has taken place, look at this. The Lord cannot come back with his saints until he has first come for his saints. So in this passage of Scripture, Enoch has given us some great Bible prophecy Things that take place after the great tribulation. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. So verse number five is tremendously impacted, and I'm reminded a lot of me when I read this passage. Now verse number six, and there's a lot to say about this, and uh, I want us to look very carefully tonight. Again, we're talking about the wrath and the judgment of God and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. Condemn them with an overthrow, making them, and you see that word in sample, that means example. Making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Now let me take verse number six because these next several verses are in Conjection with this, so first of all, I want us to talk about uh, the judgment again, because God has and will act in judgment. If God judged the world because of sin one time, he will do it again. Never forget that. If God judged the world for sin, which he did at the flood, you rest assured that he will do it again. All right? God has, and he will always act in judgment. We don't fear God in the way that we should be terrified of him. We should fear him because of his holiness. And and when we say that, we're talking about reverencing God, not looking at God as though he was a big bully in, in the sky. Now, when you look at this scripture carefully, you see how God turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. He burned the cities to the ground because of immorality and exclusively in this passage because of the sin of homosexuality. Now, there's a lot that I want to say about that, and I think probably the the cornerstone of this part is that never, never, never do we hate People. All of us are sinners. And and we, we all do different things. The Bible says in Romans, There's none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we're all sinners. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross because of sin. He died on the cross because we were sinners. And none of us could go to heaven without the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and the bodily resurrection. Had to have been a crucifixion without a resurrection, we still could not have redemption. There had to be a crucifixion. There had to be a resurrection. That's the gospel. The death, burial, and the resurrection, the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's not just because you look at this. Not just because he died on the cross do we all get to go to heaven. That wasn't an event that just placed us all In the pearly gates, no. And when you read the scriptures, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here's the thing, that whosoever believeth in him, it's not just the fact that he died. It's not just the fact that he was raised from the dead, but this, this gospel was the avenue for us in Christ and Christ alone that we have a glorious invitation to be born again, to be saved. And so here is the thing. When a person is born again and washed in the blood, they are saved. They are saved and sealed forever. Eternal security is another interesting doctrine we believe in, and we'll talk about that at another time. So Jesus died on the cross for sin because we're all sinners. We didn't become sinners in this world because of something we did. We were born into this world sinners because of what Adam did in the garden. And so as a result of that, God had to intervene, and without his intervention, we would have all died and gone to hell. We had to have a Savior. So God rescued us in the process of time. The Old Testament saints They believed by faith that Jesus would come, that he would die, that he would shed his blood, that he would be raised from the dead. That's why Isaiah the prophet wrote, He was wounded for our transgressions. Now, you have to remember something. There are a lot of people that do not, that that they omit this passage of Scripture, They, they do not want to recognize this. Isaiah chapter 53, and they omit it. But the truth of the matter is, when Isaiah the prophet wrote this, he wrote it 750 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. And so what he was saying is this, I believe everything the prophet said. He was a prophet himself, and he believed that Jesus would come, he would die, he would shed his blood. That's why he said, he was wounded for our transgression. He spoke in faith, believing in things to come. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, he's talking about now the crucifixion, with his stripes, we are healed. We are saved. Now here's the thing. Old Testament folks were, were counted as righteous by believing in faith that Jesus would come, he would die. He would be raised from the dead. He would be the propitiation of our sins. You and I today, we are saved by looking back to the cross. Old Testament folks were saved by looking towards the cross. You and I today are saved when we look back at what Jesus did. We believe he died. We believe that he came, he died, he shed his blood. God raised him from the dead. And so, getting back to this main thought here, all of us are sinners. Old Testament people were sinners. New Testament people are sinners. We don't have to do a, a lot of theological math on that. We all get it. God had to intervene in this world because of sin, terrible sin, horrible sin. Now, here's the thing. Because of the sin of immorality, we get back to this thing now. We don't hate people. But if God hates sin, we ought to hate sin. Does that make us not sin because God hates sin? No, we sin every day. And here's the thing. We know better. We know what's right and wrong. I was asking somebody the other day who was involved in something really, really unbelievable. And I said, but do you know the difference between right and wrong? Yes. And when we come into the age of accountability where we know the difference between right and wrong, we are accountable. God holds us accountable.
0: We know the difference between right and wrong.
1: What has happened in our world today is a replica of what happened in the days before the flood. And it angered God in such a way that he destroyed the world by flood, but he also, in a later episode, because of the sin of homosexuality, he destroyed according to the word of God. I didn't write the book. But according to the word of God, he destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because of the sin. All right? Now, let me, let me emphasize
0: something here tonight. In recent months, or uh, maybe the last year or two, and we
1: we think about this war in the Ukraine and the Russians invading and all of this, and we've been hearing all of this hype about nuclear bombs, and somebody pushes the button, and if this pus- person uh, pushes the button, this one's going to push it and all this... And people today are somewhat living in fear because they're scared of a nuclear holocaust. And I'm not saying that something like that couldn't happen, but here's the piece that I want to give you tonight is this, that there is not a living human being on this earth that will solely carry out an act that will destroy this earth. And the scriptures that I'm going to give you tonight in reference to God burning down Sodom and Gomorrah go hand in hand. In fact, it's just a chapter over from Second Peter chapter 2. I want you to look at this in Second Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to read for you verse 10 and 12. And I want you to nail this verse down. It'll come up in a topic, a conversation, and I certainly do not encourage you to debate the Word. The Word does not need to be debated. That's why, listen, in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse number 1, in the beginning, God, and that settles it all. It doesn't need to be debated. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But this scripture here, I want you to look at this. Don't worry about the Russians destroying this earth because the word says this in 2 Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which, now, you remember, there's a difference between the, the Lord's day and the day of the Lord. This is talking about the day of the Lord. This is talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is seven years after the tribulation. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens, look at this, shall pass away, With a great noise. Now, you know, I've taught you well, there are three heavens. Where the clouds are, number one. Where the galaxies are, heaven number two. And then three, where God's throne is. But look at this. Because there's coming a new heaven and a new earth. According to Revelation chapter 21, John said this, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. So there's going to be a change. But look at this. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise. Okay? that The way that we can modernize this into our intellect is to compute that as a great explosion of some sort, a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And look at this. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And somebody might say, well, there it is, preacher. There are the Russians. That's where the word talks about. Here are all the Russians attacking planet Earth. But go, if you will, to verse number 12. And the word says, looking for and hastening unto the coming of God, where in the heavens being on fire shall dissolve and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now, I will tell you this, this experience, this episode is reserved for God. Only, only God. He made it. He'll destroy it. He'll fix it. And he'll make all things new. This is a God thing. So you don't have to worry about the Russians. The Russians are not going to destroy the earth. They're not going to destroy the world. The Ukrainians are not going to destroy the earth. They're not going to destroy the world. This is a God thing, and God will take care of it. All right, now look at this. Peter is also saying that this is not only judgment. I want you to think about this. Not only going to be a judgment but he's also saying, and the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the ashes condemned them in an overthrow, making them an example. Okay, so we have the judgment of God. And then we have what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah as an example. Now, we're out of time. We have to stop here. I've got young people being dismissed and everywhere, people I want us and so forth. I've got to stop here. But there are two important things that I want you to know. God destroyed the immoral, wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Number one, because the sin of homosexuality. Number two, when he judged those two wicked cities, he burned them to the ground. But the third element is this. He did it for an example. Now let's look at it again. We'll close here tonight. I have to stop. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow. Look at this. Making them an example unto those that after should live godly. Now there's a lot to say about this, this subject. The content of this subject, not only here, but in Romans chapter 1. And again, I will emphasize, you do not hate people. Do not hate people. You love people. We're all sinners.
0: We can hate sin.
1: If God hates it, we should hate it. But just because he hates it, that doesn't mean we're not capable of doing it. We certainly are. But we have to keep this into perspective. Every single one of us, all of us, are sinners. And and here's I want to close you with this thought. Any sin that anybody has ever committed on this earth, all of us are capable of doing that, whatever it may be. People that say to me, I would never do that. Well, don't, don't play the fool. You remember what Simon Peter said? He said, I'll never deny you, Lord. I will not do it. I'll go to jail for you. I'll kill for you. Whatever I need to do for you, I'll do it. I'll never deny you. And he did three times. So don't ever set yourself up so spiritual to where you say, that would never happen to me. Because the word says, let him that thinketh he stand to take heed lest he fall. That's powerful scripture.
0: You listen to Pastor Tony Kahoot. For more information, Visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com.